0: Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. (laughs) Putting the last little note in here. Welcome to The Vineyard. My name is Adam Russell. I'm the pastor, and really good to be here with you. I was not here last week because I spent the last week in Boston, New Hampshire, and Maine, and uh, doing some vineyard stuff up in the Northeast. It seems like it's becoming a home away from home, and uh, as good as it was, it's always better to be back home. So I bring greetings from The Vineyard tribe in the Northeast, and uh, really good to be here. Also, just want to say high fives to the three people who spoke on my behalf last Sunday. <laughs> Weren't they good? Yeah. yeah, so, Aaron, you did really good. That's what I keep hearing, you know, you just, and Marcus and Heather, love it. Uh, we got a, we got a, we got a deep pool here at the Vineyard. I don't have to do it all, and that's always a really good feeling. All right, everybody Okay. Everybody enjoy that extra hour? You look fresh this morning. You look really fresh. I don't think I've ever seen this many people look so fresh for service. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. All right, hey, if you want to this morning, open up your Bibles to the letter of Philippians. We're going to look at a few verses out of chapter 1. We're going so slow. Is everybody okay with just going really slow? We're going to go so slow. In fact, I'll just go ahead and let you know this. It's going to take us a good while to ever get through all of this. So we're going to go really slow through the letter of Philippians. In fact, we're going to take a break in December and we're going to do Advent stuff, right? And then in January, we're going right back. So if you wonder where we're going to be, this is where we're going to be. And it's going to be this this text for a good long while. We're going to read a few verses this morning. I want to read verse 12 all the way through verse 19. And then we'll try to hopefully have something valuable to say. We'll see. I'm confident. (laughs) Verse 12. This is Paul. He says this. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence And they boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me. For they know that I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition. Not sincerely. Intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me, the Spirit of Jesus helps me and will lead to my deliverance. Amazing passage. Amazing passage. Uh, For those of you who have uh, maybe been here since we started this little series Uh, You probably already know this, but for those of us who are maybe just popping in for the first Sunday here at the venue, I'll catch you up just a little bit and give you some context for what Paul is saying here. The reason Paul's talking about being in chains and the reason Paul's talking about imprisonment is because at this moment in his life, he's actually in prison. He's in Rome and he is in prison. He's writing this letter from jail. He is at best under house arrest and he's probably experiencing something worse than that. So he's in jail and he is continuing his gospel work. Uh, This is one of those passages that for me kind of like has everything in it. It, It's got everything in it. It, It's got the work of God. It's got the pain of life. It's got trust. It's got joy. It's got heartache and it's got hope. All of it is packed into these few verses, about seven verses. Did you guys notice that? Did you notice that? I hope you did. So here's what I want to do. I just want to unpack it very simply this morning. If you can put verse 12 back up, that would be really great. Verse 12, we're going to start here. And I want you to keep in mind that Paul is in jail when he writes this. Does this sound, by the way, does this sound like somebody who's in jail? He says, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here, here being in jail, everything that's happened to me in jail has helped to spread the good news. Let's just stop right there. This is what the theologians would call a high view of God. (laughs) High view of God. In fact, one of the things that you get in the letter to Philippians in general is a very high view of God. And I'll just be very honest with you, especially because we're the vineyard, right? Here in the vineyard, and especially in our local context, we don't typically have as high a view of God as the letter of Philippians often hands to us. We lean way harder, especially here at the Vineyard. We, we, we lean way harder into the free will of man. We lean way harder into things like personal choice. And you basically get what you deserve or work for. And those things are not entirely untrue. But one of the things you see here, and keep it up, please. One of the things you see here all the way through the letter, it is a consistent theme. It's such a high view of God. It is the idea that the things that are happening, they are happening because God is at work. This isn't just Paul's plan. This isn't just a series of unfortunate events. It is the fact that God is at work and he is orchestrating something and the orchestration is good no matter how it looks. It's very challenging, but at the the same time, it's comforting. How many of you have ever gone through something very difficult and you wondered where God is in it? Well, I can assure you this, God is in it somehow. It doesn't mean that he orchestrated it, but it always means that God is in it. We would do well here at the vineyard to have a bit of a higher view of God and a bit of a higher view of his own sovereignty and that he's working in all circumstances, uh, even, even, even the bad, not just the good, but even the bad. So he's making the point here that God is at work and he's having to make this point Remember, he's writing back to the church in Philippi. He's having to make this point because Paul planted the church in Philippi, which is a city. And we talked about this in our first message in the series, that when Paul first went to Philippi, he ended up in jail, right? Amazing story. I hope everybody has read Acts 16. Has everybody here read Acts 16 since we started this? I hope you have. If you haven't, you must. You absolutely must. We're going to check next week, and then we're going to disassociate a few people. No, we're not. But you definitely should read it. Because here's what happens in, the, in, in Acts chapter 16. Paul plants the church in Philippi. And in the process of planting this church, he gets thrown in jail. And he and Silas... He and Silas are in chains and it says at midnight they started to sing to the Lord. And in the process of singing some hymns to the Lord, there was an earthquake and everybody's chains break open. And not only did Paul and Silas go free, but everybody in the jail goes free. And the jailer who was concerned, because you would be concerned, right? If all of your prisoners uh, started walking out of the jail, he, he thinks he's about to kill himself. Paul uh, intervenes and saves him as well. So it's like this huge salvation moment and the church rejoices, right? It's like man, Jesus is on our side. How do we know that? Because the chains are like falling off of our hands. Nothing can stand against us. It's like total power breakout session. And now Paul's in jail in Rome and he says in verse 12, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me and is happening to me is helping to spread the good news. And he has to say this because if you were at the church in Philippi and the guy who had been busted out of the jail miraculously was in jail and the chains that once came off or not coming off you would wonder if god had left him right you would begin to think well god used to be with paul but he's no longer with paul god used to be at work but now he's no longer at work oh uh, or, or you would think everything that we have believed is it's maybe it's just untrue we, we were bamboozled but paul says no no it's not true at all The very same God who was at work when my chains fell off with Silas is the very same God who is still at work in jail, though my chains do not fall off. This is a challenge to us. It's a big challenge to us. I'll just make it personal. It's a challenge to me because because for us. The assumption is that if God is at work, we must always be going from success to success. Even today, these kinds of thought processes remain. Lots and lots of the church has bought into various forms of the success gospel. And and here's the reason why. There's there's a couple, I think. There's a couple main ones. Uh, The first one is just philosophical and it's theological, right? Well, if God is all-powerful... And he is if God is all powerful and he is and if he and his servants appear to be losing, then we have to question both God and his servants, right? I mean, God's all powerful. Let's just put this into football context. It is Sunday, right? Yeah. If your NFL team loses and continues to lose, who do you blame? You blame the players and then who do you blame? The coach. What do you do? You fire somebody, you trade somebody, you cut somebody. If you keep on losing, it's somebody's fault. Get rid of them. So that's one reason. That's one reason we struggle with this sort of idea. Second reason we struggle with this kind of idea is because the gods that we worship here in America are almost all some form of the success gods. Let me just tell you right now. Idolatry is alive and well. It is alive and well here. It doesn't just live in South America or some other country over there. You don't have to get on a boat. You don't have to get on a plane. You don't have to cross waters. We are as idolatrous as anyone in the entire world. And here's the worst part. We maybe see it less than anyone else in the whole world. And it's because almost all of our gods in America are success gods. You know what you and I love? You know what Americans love? You know the altar that we will bow down in front of every single time? Success. Winning. Winning. That's it. The gods of this age are offering all kinds of success. It'll just cost you your soul. But notice here in this passage, nowhere in this passage does Paul mention his own personal success. This is really challenging to me. Paul never mentions his own personal success. Instead, he only talks about the success of the gospel, the success of the good news, the gospel, the good news. And what is the gospel? Here is the gospel in three words. You know, we could talk. You ask, like, pastors or theologians, what is the gospel? You get, you get tomes, right? You get giant books, thousands of pages. And, and, um, and that's, I think that's actually probably good and right, but it's also good to say, how, how could we shrink this down to something a little more manageable? Here's the gospel in three words. Jesus is Lord. And why is that good news? Why is it good news? Here's the reason why Jesus is Lord is the gospel because the one person in the universe who has every right to stand in judgment over the world when he came to the world patently refused to do so and he gave up his life and he gave up his blood and after he was he was killed unjustly he was laid in the grave and when he was resurrected the first words out of his mouth were peace to you it's good news it is really good news The resurrected Jesus appears and the first words out of his mouth are peace. Jesus is Lord. This is good, good news. Paul doesn't talk about his own personal success. He doesn't talk about his bigger house. Or his new Lexus. He doesn't talk about his ever increasing bank account. He doesn't talk about how he set his kids up really well and his grandkids really well. And all of those motivations are fine and good, but they pale in comparison to giving your life for something else. It does seem to me that the good news is a better is a better account to invest in. It does seem to me that the good news is a better, a better investment to make Uh, i would also like to say that uh one of the things we see here in this passage is that the good news has a way of spreading it has a way of spreading i want you to notice that that whether things are going good and there's lots of power and chains are falling off of people's arms and and paul is is raising up the dead and healing the sick it does seem that that causes the good news to spread but i want you to also know that even when paul is in jail the good news is spreading who's it spreading to The palace guard. I think this is super interesting. The good news, the gospel is a virus. The gospel is a virus. And it can never, it can never be eradicated. There is no cultural medicine that will ever eradicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no cultural penicillin that can ever kill the gospel of Jesus Christ. And lots of Americans, especially this week, are really worried. And they're voting out of fear, and they're all tore up, and there's all these things that are happening. Your Facebook feed is full of it, and my Facebook feed is full of it. And everybody's super worried and concerned as if this election is going to determine uh, whether or not Jesus will still be Lord in America. And I'm telling you right now, that's crazy. Not only is it crazy, but it's, it's beyond crazy. It's idolatry. It's because you and I think that who's sits in washington determines whether or not the good news is good news or whether it can be heard it's garbage it's garbage philippians chapter 1 verse 12 and 13 even in jail the good news can't be stopped and here's the thing have you ever noticed that people get sick have you ever noticed that people get sick no matter what The gospel is a virus like you can be doing really good. You can have a fat bank account, two Lexuses, a giant brick house, four boats and 16 vacations. And you know what? You'll get a virus and you'll throw up in the toilet. (laughs) It spreads. It spreads. Have you also noticed this? This is what I've noticed. Viruses spread where there's health, but viruses really spread where there's not health where there's where there's poverty where there's disease where there's where there's where there's destruction and dysfunction it seems like disease and viruses spread even more where things are not sanitary it spreads even more and we see it here when paul when things are going well for paul the gospel spreads but even when things are not going well when it, when it is if we could say it like this when when paul is in an unsanitary environment when there's opposition it spreads even more even the palace guard come into believing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he is lord you can't stop this there's not a pill there's not a pill This is God's work. I'm starting to feel this. I'm I'm actually starting to believe a little bit of this. See, the gospel explodes in hard places. We wish it weren't so, but it explodes in hard places. And there's a lot of places where you and I may not find personal success. Uh, There's nothing in the Bible that guarantees you and I personal success. Not there. At least not in the way that the success gods of America define it. But there is no place or circumstance where the good news of Jesus cannot break through and have an effect. All of this brings up the question... What am I living for? This is this is really this is the sermon this morning. What in the world am I living for? If you're living for the success gods, if you're living for the success gods, woe to you. Seriously. And by the way, we've all done it. I mean, we're probably all doing it right now. Woe to us. Here's what I know about Paul. Paul was living for God. Paul was living for an expansion of the good news. Paul was living as a servant of God's work. There was a greater shelter that he was under. Imagine, imagine shelters. Imagine, imagine a roof over your head. If the roof and the shelter that is over your head is provided by the American success gods, I'm going to tell you right now that there is a limit to the size of the shelter that 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 kind of structure can give you. But I'm also here to tell you that there is a greater roof. There is a greater shelter. There's a greater expanse. There's a greater covering. And it says it says even in the Psalms, it says it's it's under the shadow of his wings. Church, come on. Like, like, what are you living for? What are you living for? If you, you're living for the success gods, I'm telling you that roof looks pretty good. Pretty good now. It looks pretty good. It looks pretty big. It's not big. It, it pales in comparison to being uh, under the shadow of His wings. It, it pales in comparison to the kingdom of God. There's another shelter. Here's what conversion is. We can talk about conversion in a million ways, right? Here's conversion. Redefining success in your life. Conversion is ever increasingly unplugging ourselves from the gospel narrative that the American success gods are preaching to us and beginning to believe that true freedom and true success and true contentment is found beneath the shadow of his wings. Period. There's a greater shelter. If we live for the American success gods, we have little hope in being able to find the kind of shelter that Paul found. And here's why: because trouble's going to find every one of us. And when trouble comes, the real question is this: Will you have any shelter from the storm? I believe that's a Bob Dylan song. Am I right, Sammy? Shelter from it's one of his best. I have that on good authority. We have a local Bob Dylan scholar Scholar in residence. You didn't know that, did you? All right, so here's the question this morning, church. Uh, How do you know that you're living for the American success gods? It's really easy, really easy. How much joy do you have when things are difficult? This is is 100% how you know. Hey, Jonathan, can you slip to the next slide? Thank you. I want you to notice something here. How do you know if you're living for the American success gods? Well, it's easy. It's how much joy do you have when it gets difficult? Look at verse 18. Paul said all kinds of stuff. And finally, in verse 18, he says this. It doesn't matter. It literally doesn't matter. Whether people's motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached Either way, so I rejoice. Circle that word, and I will continue to rejoice. In prison, in prison, in chains, bound, little freedom, His choice circle has greatly decreased, and Paul still has, joy, has still has joy, even in great difficulty. Great, great difficulty. his joy was in God his joy was in the preaching of the gospel that's where the joy is and I love that it, that it's it's so rooted in God's ability to bring about good that even when people are preaching for the wrong reasons or trying to make Paul's life more difficult he was free to live in joy amazing See, if we live for the American success gods, we'll only have joy when things are good. We'll, we'll have joy when things are lining up with having more. We'll have joy when, when things are lining up for you and I to be seen more. We'll have joy when we can have more stuff, when we can take more trips, when we can eat at fancier restaurants, when we can have more vacations, when we can live with more comfort and less responsibility. By the way, that is the American dream, to live with more comfort and less responsibility. And it is diametrically opposed to the kingdom of heaven. The American success gods are preaching a gospel that says, you'll be happy if you can just acquire. If you can acquire more comfort and less responsibility. More comfort and less responsibility. But that blanket is a thin, thin sheet on a cold night. And some of us might be thinking, well, do I have to be an apostle And do I have to like run around and preach the gospel in order to to have this kind of joy? Uh, The good news this morning is no. And not only that, you don't even have to be in full-time ministry. And not only that, I don't even recommend full-time ministry. (laughs) Like seriously, if you can do anything else, do it. (laughs) No, it's the truth. This is the truth. I'm telling you, full-time ministry is like the day of the Lord. It's great and terrible. Okay. If you can do anything else, you go do it. You only do it if God asks you to do it. Some of you might be thinking, do I have to, do I have to You know, travel around and, and, and preach? No. You do not have to do any of those things. But, here is the thing. You and I must be no less converted than Paul was. We don't have to have the same vocation, but we can be no less converted. You and I can be no less Surrendered, not all are apostles or prophets, pastors, teachers or evangelists, but every single person is called to live beneath the roof of the gospel of Jesus. We simply we simply cannot have a little bit of good news and then go along with our full helping of American success gods. You and I can be teachers and we can be dads and students and businessmen and women But we can also be good news people. We have to be good news people. We have to live for something bigger than personal success. We need to be converted to something bigger. We have to be converted to something bigger. We need to be captured by something more beautiful. We need to be moved by just mere gaining. By the way, kingdom conversion always shows up in a different metric Than just a life of acquisition. Rather than what we gain. It's clearly seen. in what we give. This is it. Rather than. Doing the measurements by what we've gained. The kingdom of heaven is almost always counting. What did we give. And we see it in the Lord Jesus himself right. We're going to read it in a few weeks here. Out of chapter 2. Jesus left heaven, took on human flesh, gave up all of his God privilege, gave up everything. Not only that, but once he gave up his heavenly privilege and took on human flesh, then after 30 years, he gave up his own life. He gave up on his own life for people who were uninterested in what he was offering. So much of this runs counter to the American narrative. Some of us are in the room are like, man, Adam's being really hard on like America. (laughs) Yes, I am. You better believe it. Here's why because not everybody's going to win according to western success. Here's here's the truth. The western gospel it requires there to be losers. Because it's a zero sum game. If somebody's gaining, then somebody has to be losing. And this is not the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone is going to win according to the measurements of western success, but everyone can win In the kingdom of heaven. And here's why everyone can win in the kingdom of heaven. Because number one. Everybody is loved right up front. And that's good news. But then number two. Everyone can win in the kingdom of heaven. Because everyone can give. And everyone can serve. Everyone. Jesus said. Jesus said in the gospels. By the way, the very Jesus who left heaven and came to earth. Jesus said in the Gospels, the Son of Man didn't come to get served, but the Son of Man came to serve. And in saying that, he redefines everything. He means, in, in saying that, Jesus basically lays out for us that everybody here can be as great as he is. Everybody here can operate in the greatness of Jesus. You don't, The greatness of the kingdom of heaven is not in what you get, but it's in what you give. It's not in, do you end up served, but do you serve anybody? Every every form of western success ends up with you and i being a queen or a king and we get served but the king of heaven the one person who deserves to be served said i'll not have it i'll give my life it's amazing this means that everybody here can be great everybody here can be great this is why some people were preaching out of jealousy and rivalry we read that this morning some people were preaching the good news out of jealousy and rivalry. Uh, some were trying to take advantage of Paul being off the scene. This is literally what was happening. Paul gets in prison. Some people are like, dude, my ministry's about to take off. Finally got <laughs> rid of that guy. And can I tell you, pastors do this. You better believe it. we do this. Heck yeah, everything's a competition. Pastors who are baptized in the waters of the American success gods, that's what they do. When somebody big take, gets taken out, They're like, oh, isn't that pitiful? But on the inside, they're thinking, man, I got a market that's wide open. I can expand my ministry. We know this is true, right? And that's exactly what's happening. Some people are like, yeah, Paul's in jail. I'm about to take over. Not only that, but they use the fact that he was in jail against him, right? He's in jail. God's no longer with him. That Paul guy, he was lying to you the whole time. I've got the true gospel. Listen to me. Yeah, God broke him out once, but he's not breaking him out anymore. God's left him. But I've got a better gospel. This is basically what was happening. But Paul could keep his joy because he was living by another rule. And by the way, I want to I sort of end with this. You need to understand that this is not Christian fatalism. Being able to have joy, even in painful and difficult circumstances, is not Christian fatalism. Notice in verse 19, Paul says, for I want you to know that as you pray for me, and he says, the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. So while he's able to keep his joy, while he's able to see that God is at work, even in painful and and trying circumstances, he's at the same time saying, would you guys pray for me? I need your help, and it's going to lead to my deliverance. So it's not Christian fatalism. It's not as though you have to say that everything is hand-selected for me by God, Uh, we can say something more along these lines, that God is working in everything while not everything is His working. It's a heck of a a thing, but there is a difference. God is working in everything, but not everything is His working. What does that mean? It means this. you, You don't have to accept that sickness and hardship is the plan of God. But in the midst of sickness and hardship, you can expect to meet Him every single time. You don't have to say, well, you know, God gave me cancer. You don't have to say that. It's ridiculous. But in the midst of cancer, you better believe that God can work every single time. And oftentimes He works really profoundly in the middle of, of hardness, hardship and sickness and pain and difficulty. Oftentimes He does. And in the midst of difficulty, you can and you should pray for deliverance. Even in the middle of pain, we can maintain a kingdom expectation. Amen? Well, I just feel like I've stirred up enough troubles this morning for everyone. Everybody's still happy? I'm happy. I know that. I'm getting happier by the minute. I think. (laughs) I think I am. I think it's true. Listen, guys, I think like 75% of what I told you this morning is true. About 75% is true. Uh, It'll just be up to you to figure out which 25% was garbage. Be sure to post it on Facebook. Tag me in it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, right, here's the good news, y'all. Jesus is Lord. He is. And He's He's Lord in every circumstance. If your chains are falling off, hallelujah. And if they're not, there's a work that He can do there as well. There's a work that He can do there as well. Yeah. Oh man, I wanna, I wanna get out underneath the roof of the American Success Gods, and I want to plant my head in the shadow of his wing. You know? Gosh, that's where I want to be. That is where I want to be. Hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we stand this morning? If you are on the ministry team, come on up. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.